already? You have been. Yeah, thank you, Linnea and Cody. That was beautiful. 
If you came to the end of life and someone could say about you that you loved your Jesus, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? I think that'd be pretty good. All right, well, we've got a few slides now to show you. And I can see it. Does that get any bigger? No. Not that one, okay. All right, so last Sabbath, it seems like I've been gone, or I've been back longer than that, but last Sabbath, I had the privilege of being with one of our church members who many of you know. How many of you know Bob Bardale? Yeah, many of you do. Okay, so this is uh, Bob and Greg in front of Bob's nursing home that he's in, Oakmont. And the reason I went out was this last Sabbath was his 100th birthday. Now, how many cakes do you see like that around? I mean, uh, 100's a good, good place to be, right? Not many people die at 100, right? Because not many people live to be 100. And uh, amazing. So there's the cake, and it was amazing too. And there is Bob and myself. So this was at Justin and uh, Nicole's house, his grandkids, Greg's son and daughter-in-law. And so there's, uh, <clears throat> there's my kids, and it's uh, what we do when we're at places. And now we've got one in, one in training there. That's little Bobby. Look at Bobby. Look at his hair. Isn't he amazing? So cute. So that's little Bobby. And there's Bob and Bita. And then there's the whole family. So Bob, uh, <clears throat> Bob was as happy as I've ever seen him. He was so, he was just thrilled. I mean, probably to be out of the nursing home at his grandkids' house and uh, with all of his family, but uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. And so it was a great, great um, event for me to be at. And I'm just privileged that they allowed me to come out there. My kids live about 12 miles away, so that, that helps too. Uh, not sure I would have gone otherwise, but uh, I might have, who knows. Anyway, today we're in the midst of a series called Love Written in Red. And Charles already asked how many of you were out last night, but John did a great job at pointing us to the cross last night. Thank you, John. That was amazing. Very, very good job. And so we're looking at the ransom price paid by Christ. That was last night. Today, the rest provided by Christ. And then tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock, the resurrection procured by Christ. And so we hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning for that. The focus here is the rest of Christ. And you are welcome to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Please do so in your Bibles this morning. So just, uh, I've got a story I want to go into, but first of all, Good Friday was Good Friday. That was a Friday. We wonder how good it was, right? Um, Christ certainly went through a lot. That's when he was crucified, right? At the time of the evening offering, that's when he said, it is finished, and gave up the last, <clears throat> gave up his life. And of course, the, those that were putting him to death were, were hurrying. They wanted to make sure and get this done so they could keep the Sabbath. Now, that's a little bit of a strange thing. Uh, you're 
killing the Lord and Savior so you can keep the Sabbath the next day and be all clean. Oh, that's, there's some issues with that, as I'm sure you understand. But that, so that was Good Friday. And so then after Good Friday, what's the day after Friday is Saturday or Sabbath, which is we're here now. So Christ then rested in the tomb on Saturday. Clearly, we all know this, right? And then they, we refer to it as Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday is when he resurrected. So the seventh day is the Sabbath, and that is when Christ rested. So just a little history there that I think we're all familiar with, but that sort of ties together our Love Written in Red series. Because where I'm going is the deeper meaning of the Sabbath rest this morning. First, a story about a man named Joe who lived in California near the ocean, and he used to love to see the sailing ships come and go, and especially he loved to see the cruise ships. Oh, he would just dream, oh, if I could, if I could just be on one of those someday. I, you know, imagine the amazing destinations that they go to, the islands, and you know, just all the, all the fun. So he decided, that's on my bucket list, I'm gonna do it. Someday I'm gonna start saving up and get on one of those cruise ships. So he did. Saved up and he was so elated that he had the money and he was going to do this. But he realized he didn't have a lot of extra money. Actually, he didn't have any extra money. And he figured there's lots of probably other stuff I could spend money on, even on the cruise. Uh, But I just don't have it, so I'm not going to do it. So he brought a big bag of snacks because he figured that the meals were going to cost extra. So he brought a big bag of snacks with him and uh, had those with him. And um, if you've ever been on a cruise ship, you know they feed you like every five minutes, it seems like. I mean, they feed you a lot. And so every time they'd come, he'd just say, no, no, nope, nope, nope just water. Water's good. And then at mealtime, he'd do the same thing. He'd say, no, no, I got my cheese and crackers. So he'd be out in the corner eating his cheese and crackers while they would be feasting. Well, finally, one of the attendants said, um, sir, I- Notice you out here in the corner and, you know, we've got these really tasty meals. And just in case you didn't know, it's, it's all free. And um, he thought about it for a moment. And he thought, no, I wasn't born yesterday. It can't be free. I'll just stay with my cheese and crackers. I can't believe that anyone would provide something for free. And so he missed out because of his unbelief. He missed out on something that was amazing. His unbelief kept him from entering into what might have been one of the greatest experiences of his journey. This morning, all of humanity, you and I are on a journey and there is a rest that is offered freely to all by faith. This wonderful rest has been purchased not by you, but by the amazing sacrifice of another. It is an experience that remains available today, and its effects are for now and for eternity. And God has given us a weekly reminder of that rest, which actually becomes a part of the rest as we shall see as we continue. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father in heaven, thank you for providing a rest 
for the people of God. Oh, there's a rest available for the entire world today if they would only enter in by faith. Father, now as we open your word, please give us clarity of understanding. Give us conviction of what we should do with what we hear. And Lord, when we leave, may we be able to make a confession that we are different people because of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Hebrews 3 and verse 12. So the sermon's mainly on Hebrews 4, but you really can't get it unless you back up a little. I've got the amplified version this morning, and so we'll probably read a bit differently than whatever you have, because it just will. <clears throat> but it's very good, and um, we're going to start with verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 3. So if you go there with me. Hebrews chapter 3, and again, I have the Amplified verse 12. It says this, it says, Take care, brothers and sisters, that there be not in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart. And then in parentheses, the Amplified has, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. Take care that you don't have that. But, verse 13, but continually encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. You'll notice that again and again and again in this passage. He says, today. So there's an urgency in this passage. Today, as there is an opportunity so that none of you will be hardened, that is, settled into rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. By the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, its delusive glamour, and its sophistication. Sin offers a lot, but does not deliver. Have you found that? Verse 14, and this is the reason we can encourage one another because, and this verse 14, you the Greek really helps here because there's a threefold meaning. Anytime you have a perfect tense, and there is a perfect tense here, so that means something that happened in the past, something that is happening now, and something that will continue to happen in the future. And here's what it is. It says, because we have been made. Genomai, the word from created even. We have been made <clears throat> and have become partakers of Christ, sharing in all that Messiah is and all that he has for us, if only we hold firm, or that is, in parentheses here, stand under the guaranteed agreement of our newborn confidence or assurance, which originally led us to him until the end. While it is said, this is verse 15, while it is said today, so there it is a second time, today. And so there's an urgency here. There's a point in time, right? I love the children's story. It's true, the whole world is on a cadence, right? Six days work, one day rest. Six days work, one day rest. The world is on this cadence. And we too are on a cadence. God didn't bring anyone here by accident today. And so God says, today. And we, none of us know what tomorrow holds, do we? We've found that out 
so many times, unfortunately. But we do know that we have today. And I can tell you without a doubt that today you can turn to Jesus Christ and make him your Lord and Savior. Amen? If you have not done so. Or if your relationship with him is kind of not so restful, you know, kind of with him, kind of not today, you can turn that around. Amen? You can make that better. He wants you to do that today. That's what this passage tells us. Today, while there is still opportunity, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoked me in the rebellion in the desert of Meribah. All right, we got to stop right there and explain what that is all about. Meribah, the background, of course, is the children of Israel. They're out in the desert, but before that, of course, they're miraculously delivered through plagues, through the opening of the Red Sea, from cruel bondage of Egypt. And this deliverance was a type of the deliverance provided by Christ at the cross when he said, it is finished. That's why before the Ten Commandments, you have this preamble. You have this, you have been brought out, and now it gives you the Ten Commandments. You look in Deuteronomy 5, and that you have been brought out is right before the Sabbath commandment. Because the Sabbath is a sign, it's a seal of the righteousness which is by faith, or having been brought out. Very important that you understand that, because we don't want to enter into our rest on the Sabbath. That, and that's not what this tells us. It says enter into his rest. There's a difference. His rest becomes our rest, but it's first his rest. Hopefully that will become clear as we go. But there they are, Meribah. Many places in the Old Testament and many stories have these wonderful names, and they're, they're sort of markers of great things that Israel did. This one, not so much. In fact, it's a marker of their unbelief and the bad things that they did at this time. So food began to run low, and they began to grumble. Ever grumbled? <laughs> they never suffered from hunger. Now get this part. They had never suffered from hunger, but they were just worried about the future. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm full here and I've got food, but sometime in the future I might be hungry. And so they began to grumble. Now, obviously, food is very important. We all are with that. But I want to just pause here. What might be the one thing? Because God had provided everything, but there was one thing, and really he'd provided that too, but they were worried about. What is the one thing that you worry about in your relationship with God or just in life in general? What is the one thing that you're not sure that he can provide? Give that some thought. What might be that one thing? Your kid's salvation, your kid's finding the right spouse. You notice I'm focusing on kids. <laughs> uh, but it may be your own, something in your own life that, you know, I can trust God for everything else, but this thing, I, I'm just not sure God's on top of this. God's on top of it. You can trust him with everything. And we don't have to worry about the future, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what will happen? All these things, right, will be added to you. 
He will take care of your every need. Maybe not your every want, but your every need. Well, he provided them with food, both the manna from heaven and also the quail. They never suffered from hunger. Later on, they worried about thirst and water. What are you going to do with all these people in the wilderness? Did you bring us out here to die? Uh, God provided water for all of them as Moses struck the rock. But that was Meribah when they disbelieved the provisions of God. So that's what he's talking about here. Going on to verse 16. For who were they who heard and yet provoked him with rebellious acts? Was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies were strewn across the desert? Verse 18, and whom did he swear an oath that they would never enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed, those who would not listen and believe his word, so we see that they were not able to enter his rest. And that's what we want is rest today, God's solution to a stressful existence. They were not enter, able to enter his rest because of what? Unbelief, right? If you're reading along, unbelief or disobedience, your Bible might say. The, the word is very closely related and unbelief leads to disobedience. So they're very closely related. So they were not able to in, enter in because of unbelief. And this is kind of a, an overview of what's happening here. God has provided rest. He would want everyone to enter into that rest. His rest is equivalent, and we'll see this as we go through the text, with his works. Because he worked, then he rested. Because he worked, we can rest. And his works is his righteousness. So when he's asking us to enter his rest, he's asking us to accept his righteousness. Our works will never get it done, but his works already got it done. Amen? And we can enter into that experience. So then there's, of course, the two posits, right? The two positions. What, what are you going to do with the rest that he's provided, with the righteousness that he provided, with the works that are already finished from the foundation of the world? What will you do with it? Will you believe it and accept it by faith? That's the one option. Or will you unbelieve it and be disobedient to it and never enter the rest? Oh, it's there for each one of us, his rest. And it's a perfect rest that waits for all of us. And so that's really the two options. As we continue to read on, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now we're at chapter 4 and verse 1. And it says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any one of you may seem to come short of reaching it. Or, and this is a good translation of the Greek here, or think he has come too late. 
You're not too late to enter into his rest if you're here today, amen? If you're listening online, it's not too late. Now's the day, today. Today, enter that rest. He waits to give it to you. He's already bought that rest. He's purchased it at such a cost. Oh, won't you enter his rest today? Verse 2. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us just like they had, the Israelites, but the message did not benefit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. So again, the two positions. What will you do with this great gift that God has given? Verse 3, For we believe that it is we who personally trust and confidently rely on God that enter this rest. So we have inner peace now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power. Just as he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. He's saying, I guarantee you, unbelief will never get you there. It's taking you the wrong direction. God says, believe in my promises and I will do great things for you. But unbelief will, of course, not get us there. This is the end of verse 3 still. This he said, although his works were completed from the foundation of the world, waiting for all who would believe. So there's no lack on God's part, amen? He, he did all this from the foundation of the world, and he's just waiting for you to believe. Believe, he says, have faith in me and in my word. Enter my rest. Believe in me, believe in my day, believe in my cadence for the universe. Now, it's interesting because all along, so we're reading this word, rest, 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 rest. And then we come to a word in verse 9. It says rest, but in the Greek, it's a completely different word. It's katapausis, as in all these other places, which means to kind of rest under the calming of the winds. It's, it means rest. But when we get to verse 9, we're not there yet. He switches on us. Paul does. I believe he wrote Hebrews. And now the word is sabbatismos. Can you believe it? It means a keeping of the Sabbath day. Wait till we get there. You'll see how this comes together. Because he's talking about rest. And this spiritual rest, obviously it has to do with Canaan. But remember, Canaan just prefigured something for us, right? I mean, entering into Canaan with Joshua, that, that's old. That's way back. That's historical. What about us? Well, it's the rest of righteousness by faith, entering into his works, which are finished from the foundation of the world. We go on. <clears throat> Verse 4, For somewhere in Scripture he has said this about the seventh day. So we know which day we're talking about here, the Sabbath. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this, they shall not enter my rest. That's the end of verse 5. Now, where did he say this? 
On the seventh day, he rested from all his works. Which book was it? Genesis, right? The book of beginnings. So at the end of his, at the end of his work, he rested from all his works. And he said that things were very good and everything was, what, finished. Now, John, we won't go there, but John 19.30, they offer him the vinegar to drink. This is at his very end. He's on the cross, and just after that, this is at the time of the evening offering, he says what? It is finished. Now get this. At the end of creation, he says, it is finished. He's just created perfectly and completely, right? So the Sabbath is a memorial of his perfect and finished work of creation. On the cross, he says, it is finished. He has just redeemed the human race. And so as a memorial of his perfect and finished work of redemption, he gives us the Sabbath today. Amen? Praise the Lord for his works and for his Sabbath, which is a memorial of that. That is why it's a sign. That is why it's a seal. We do not enter into our works. If we only, I mean, our rest. If we only enter into our rest on the Sabbath, we haven't kept the Sabbath. And the Israelites didn't keep the Sabbath. That's what he's going to say. And you might say, wait a minute. They didn't keep the Sabbath. No, they kept their own rest, but not his rest. They did not enter in. There remains a rest for the people of God. You and I, a Sabbath keeping. It awaits for us today. Even us people who come here every Saturday. There remains something more for all of us. Verse 6. Therefore, since the promise remains, it's still here, for some to enter the rest, or other versions say that some must enter this rest. And those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to enter because of their unbelief evidenced by disobedience. That's the end of verse 6. So again, will it be faith leading to obedience that grabs the beautiful gift of his rest, his righteousness, or unbelief, which will lead to disobedience. Two choices. Verse 7, he again set a definite day, a new today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest by saying through David, so long after a time, just as it has been said before in the words already quoted, today. I'm repeating myself, aren't I? But that's what the scripture is saying. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, this mention of rest was not a reference to their entering to Canaan, right? Because is David before or after Joshua? He's after, right? So why is God still talking about rest if it's already completed in Canaan? Because it's not, because there's something more for them and for you and I today. There's his rest. Going on, verse 9. And this is the key verse. 9, I'm going to turn there in my King James also. 
Hebrews 4 and verse 9 says this, so there remains a rest. And this is where he switches gears. He uses a completely different word. In the Greek, he said, so there remains a keeping of the Sabbath for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath keeping? They've been keeping the Sabbath all along, haven't they? No. They've entered into their rest, but not his. Not the true spiritual meaning of the Sabbath. Oh, this is the only way we're going to reach the world with the Sabbath message. Amen? If they see behind it something, it's not just a matter of days. Well, you know, this day is as good as that day, and I'll make my Sabbath Tuesday. Well, you can make your Sabbath Tuesday, but God says it's his Sabbath. <laughs> so if it's his, you've got to go with his day. And his day is Saturday. But it means something underneath. It represents something. It's the seal. It's the sign of something deeper. Oh, if we don't get this, we don't understand Sabbath keeping. There remains a full and complete Sabbath keeping for the people of God. For us today, for anybody today that's not keeping the Sabbath, there remains a full and complete Sabbath keeping And verse 10 is crucial because it tells us why the Sabbath observance is so important still today. So let's look at it. That's important. It says this, For he that has entered into his rest, that is God's rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his So think about this. The Sabbath is not just now. That's physical rest. And by the way, I'm not downing physical rest on Sabbath or taking a nap. Sometimes that might be the most holy thing some of us could do is take a nap. I, I, I have no doubt about that. But this is deeper, right? This is something spiritual, entering into God's rest. He worked. He did all the works. That is his righteousness. And now he offers it to us. That is what's underneath the Sabbath. His love has provided a spiritual rest, a rest from sin, right? If we have his righteousness, that's a rest from sin. Oh, that we might have that rest today. Verse 10 again, for the one who has entered his rest has also rested from the weariness, the pain of his human labors, just as God rested from his own. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter this rest. And so this is a very, very poignant passage. It's a very powerful passage. It's, it's an urgent passage. Today, enter his rest For the first time, maybe, you need to enter God's Sabbath rest, which, of course, includes understanding what a Sabbath day is, that it's Saturday, but it's even deeper than that. There's a spiritual element to it that we can live during the week, but then God gives us a weekly reminder, you are to rest in me. You are to rest in my works. Your works will never get there. You are to rest in me. Worldliness will never find rest for you. You are to rest in me, God says. He's the only way to find rest. 
I've met a lot of Christians that are not at rest, and it's unfortunate. And I wonder if they've ever understood the true meaning of God's holy Sabbath. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, to know and experience for ourselves, so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience, there it is again, as those who died in the wilderness. For the word of God, so here's the answer to the problem, right? The word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit and of both joints and morrow, the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intents of the heart, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him of whom we have to give an account. Now, that interesting, there's a really interesting word there, and the eyes of him are open to all. There's um, something they did in ancient times when someone was going to like a court scene. They had a sword and they would put the sword right up here because many times the person would want to drop their head. They wouldn't want to look at the people in the courtroom, etc. So they would, they would put a sword. This sounds fairly barbaric. Yeah, it kind of is, but I'm just telling you what the word <laughs> has a variant meaning, right? So then this person would look face to face with their accuser, but God wants us to look face to face with Jesus, amen? Our equipper and our redeemer and the one who gives us rest. And then in closing, it talks about our high priest. So you have a friend today that has offered rest, that has provided rest. Will you take his rest, his righteousness? Christ died on Calvary, on Friday to provide righteousness. He rested in the tomb. He rose again. We don't serve a savior that is dead, but one that is living. Amen. And where is he now? He's in the heavens. And can he feel what you're going through in your life? Absolutely. Verse 14. Inasmuch then as we believe, or as we believers have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of him as our Savior. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations. Do you ever wonder if anyone is able to understand what you're going through? Well, the good news is there is one that understands it completely, and that is God the one who knows you best loves you the most. That's our God. But he has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's grace, with gracious favor, with confidence, and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need. 
an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. You know, God isn't always, or maybe he's never early, (laughs) but he's always on time, amen? He's never late. He's never late. He always provides, and he has a rest for us today that was purchased at so great a cost, Christ's death on Calvary for the human race. He tasted death for every man, Hebrews 2.9 says. There's no reason why anyone shouldn't have that rest. Do you feel like you have that rest today? Are you hurting? Are you stressed out today? I know we put our best smile on when we come to church. (laughs) It's expected of us. But how is it in your heart today? How is it in your heart? Are you stressed out? Are you hurting? Jesus says, come. Come to the altar today. Now, I'm not going to make a call to come forward. I thought about it, but then I thought, no, I won't. But you can come in your heart and in your mind. Amen? How many of you want to come to Jesus for something today? Amen. Amen. Kelly's going to share with us now a song about that before we close in prayer.
Tell the world of this treasure you found The Father is for you He's forgiven whatever you've done There is nothing to do now but come The party is waiting Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide His love was revealed Let's stand as we close. <clears throat> Let's pray. Oh, Father, what a sacrifice was required for our rest. There's no way we can enter into rest unless from the foundation of the world you had planned it and promised it and it was carried out as your son died on Calvary. And that was for us. That was for all of us, Lord, that we might enter your rest through your works. And your works are perfect. Thank you so much for what you've done for us today. And thank you for providing a weekly reminder of the righteousness that we might enter by faith the Holy Sabbath day. And it will be that reminder forever. Even as Isaiah 66 says, from one Sabbath to another, we'll continue to keep the day, but always in remembrance of a Savior, of a God who gave all, who risked his very existence so that we might have rest. May we enter into it today. May not a one here miss out on it. And if we've not had it today, is the day. Come into our hearts, Lord. Give us that rest. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. Give us your righteousness that we may rejoice in it and that we may tell others because it's not a gift to be just held in isolation, but to be joyfully exclaimed from our housetops. We thank you for blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>